Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. And now, here's our pastor, Cornelius Phillips, with today's message. And uh, we'll lift these needs up. You should take your Bibles tonight and turn with me to uh, Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to uh, start at verse 12. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12. I want to just talk just a little bit tonight on uh, being a light, shining like a light. This time of year, we see a lot of lights, a lot of glit, glitter and all those things. Jesus is the light. We know that. And uh, so we're called to be lights. And um, so it's important that we understand uh, that God's God didn't save you. He didn't redeem you uh, just to be a, a candle with a cover over it. He redeemed you to be a light. He, he redeemed us uh, to let our light shine uh, before others, to bring glory to him, to his kingdom, also to lead others to Christ. So that's what I want us to talk about tonight. We're going to start in verse 12 and kind of work our way down in Philippians chapter 2. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to read out of the English Standard Version. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. The King James Version says in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. We thank you for the power of your word. We thank you for the life that's in your word. We thank you for the illumination, God, the light that your word brings to our lives. And Father, tonight, God, as we uh, have this time of, of uh, study and uh, teaching and preaching, God, I just pray, Father, that, Lord, that our eyes would be open. God, tonight, Lord, that you would give us wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of your word. We thank you tonight. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for empowering us, enabling us, and showing us Christ uh, through your word, Father. We'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Paul, <clears throat> and we've, we've talked a little bit about 
uh, in the book of Philippians and, and Paul's relationship to the church at Philippi. We talked about last uh, Wednesday night or a couple weeks ago how that the church in Philippi started and, and how that uh, Paul had uh, gone through some stuff. He had gone through some trials and some struggles uh, in getting uh, this church started. And it was a church that was uh, very special to Paul. He was very uh, affectionate toward the people uh, in Philippi. And in uh, chapter 2, uh, where we just read from, uh, Paul made the statement there. Uh, he said, uh, he called him my beloved. And he said this, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. And then he talked about working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And, but I was, uh, I was about to walk out of my office this evening to come up here, and, and I just read through that passage again. And I noticed something in that statement that Paul started out with in verse 12, when he says, uh, uh, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, uh, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. Uh, and I thought about uh, what Paul uh, was talking about. You know, and I believe what Paul was saying was, look, guys, uh, as you've always obeyed, uh, and, and, and it's easier uh, to do it when somebody's standing there watching you. Uh, most, most people, uh, when, when the preacher's around or the Sunday school teacher's around or the deacon is around or something like that, uh, you know, they'll walk the line. But, but some people, uh, when nobody's around, nobody's watching them, They'll do stuff that they normally wouldn't do when other people was around. And I really think that that uh, might be a little bit about what Paul was saying. Look, you obey uh, in my presence, and while I'm around, you do good, but I want to encourage you that in my absence, keep it up. Do the same thing. And then he said, uh, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. If I were to ask you the question tonight, right off the top of your head, what do you think Paul is talking about when he, when he admonishes uh, these people to work out your salvation with fear and trembling? What do you think, just, just real quickly, what do you think maybe that Paul's talking about there? All right, wait a minute. Not all at one time. Just, all right, all right. Let's do this in order. Let's just one at a time, okay? Okay, all right. Work out your own salvation 
with fear and trembling. And I want us to look at that tonight. Uh, there are several things, several ideas that, that I've uh, put down. Uh, and everything that you said tonight could definitely be applied to what Paul was talking about. But I think one of the things that Paul was talking about was when he said work out your own salvation uh, with fear and trembling. I believe he, one thing he's talking about, take your experience with God to its completion. Take your experience with God to its completion. Uh, in other words, work it out till it's completed. And uh, another thing is don't stop halfway. Don't quit in the middle. Take it to completion. Uh, obtain the full benefit of what God has begun in your life. Take it uh, all the way, the full benefits of your salvation. And then Paul said, uh, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Do you think God wants us to be scared to move? Of course not. God doesn't want you to be afraid that every time uh, you mess up in the least bit that you're going to lose your salvation. Uh, that's not the fear that Paul's talking about. Uh, it's not a fear of losing uh, their salvation. Paul wasn't telling the church at Philippi, uh, you know, you need to be afraid. You need to be really afraid. Uh, you need to be terribly afraid. Uh, you mess up, you're going to lose your salvation. That's not what Paul was talking about. Paul was talking about, I don't want you uh, to be fear, to have fear of losing uh, when you make uh, every little mistake. Uh, it's not a fear. As a slave uh, standing before a rigid master, uh, it's not trembling, uh, fearful of, of punishment every time you mess up. It's not a fear and trembling that causes that would cause me to hide from God, is it? That's not what Paul was, was wanting to get across to the people, but when he said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, uh, it's a fear and trembling that on the contrary would cause me to run to him, all right? Now, I've, I've been around uh, people and I, I know people and I'm sure that you do too, that they're so rigid in their relationship or rigid in their uh, uh, understanding of God that uh, they're scared to move, they're scared to, to do anything. They think that, that God's gonna uh, knock them down or something like that. But, but Paul was saying, look, I, I want you to have a godly fear, a reverence for God in your life and a trembling that, that would cause you to run to him. Uh, the fear, I believe, that Paul was talking about when he was talking about work it out with fear and trembling is don't forget that within yourself, within your ability and your power, you are weak and you are not able to do anything uh, to merit or to earn uh, your relationship with God. 
And so I think what Paul was talking about uh, when he talked about the fear uh, is a fear of knowing that my own inabilities are not enough and my own abilities are not enough to maintain a right relationship with God. And we're gonna get uh, more in that in just a minute. And a trembling uh, that says this, that I love God so much, I love Jesus so much that I never want to be found doing something or in a position that would grieve his heart. The fear, when Paul said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, I believe he was saying to sum it all up, I think he was talking about a fear uh, that is a reverence for God, that I reverence God with everything I've got, but in that I know that, with, that if it was dependent upon me, that I could not do it. So my fear is not uh, that God's gonna strike me down, but my fear would be that I am not enough to, to do anything uh, that's good. So my dependence is totally upon Christ. And, and I tremble because I don't want to be found guilty of doing anything that would grieve his heart. Look at it uh, as in a relationship with your, with your spouse, perhaps, that uh, you don't want to do anything intentionally that's going to break your spouse's heart. You don't want to do anything that's going to deliberately hurt them. And so you go out of your way. Sometimes you have to walk uh, around things. Sometimes you have to keep your mouth shut when you want to say something. Sometimes, sometimes you just have to uh, go in the, in the room and pray uh, when, when it gets tough because you don't want to hurt their feelings. Some of y'all stay in your room all the time praying because you don't ever get out. But anyway, uh, anyway, And now understand that, that when Paul said that to work out your salvation, there's some things in our lives, guys, that we have to work out. There's, we're in a process. Now, there are people that, that would say, well, when I got saved, I got sanctified. You got, you got started in the process of being sanctified, but God is still working in your life. God's still working some things out in your life. And, and it's important to understand that God's working, but I gotta work too, all right? I'm not gonna get there by my works, but there's some things that I've got to work out my salvation. I've got to flesh my salvation out. In Matthew chapter five, going back to what we were talking about, about the fear and trembling, in Matthew chapter five, where Jesus was giving uh, the, the Beatitudes, he was talking about uh, blessed uh, are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. What is he talking about? Blessed are the poor in spirit. He's not saying uh, you're blessed if your spirit is, is poor and, and, and frail, but he's talking about blessed are those who realize that, that uh, they within themselves are, their spirit is in poverty and they need Christ. And he, he went on down in, in verse 
4, and he said, blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And he's not talking about people that cry all the time, is he? He's talking about people that recognize their, their need for a relationship with God. He said they, they're gonna be comforted. Then he talked about on down uh, the, those that thirst, hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And so Paul was saying, <clears throat> work out your own salvation. Don't, you can't work it out for your spouse. Can't work it out for somebody else. You gotta work out your own salvation. I tell people a lot of times, especially when we're talking about marriage, marriage counseling and things such as that, uh, it's, it's almost always when you talk to somebody that's having trouble in a relationship, whether it's marriage or something else, most of the time, the first thing that comes out of their mouth is they. They. They won't do this. They did that. They said this. They, uh, they believe this. And, and the first thing that I always say is, look, let's get rid of the they. Let's get rid of them. And let's talk about you. They might have some problems. And most of the time, they do have problems. And, and, and all that. But the biggest issue is you. So let's get rid of they, get rid of them, and let's deal with you. Because <clears throat> you can't change them, you can't change they, but you can change you. You can, you can understand and get wisdom on how to deal with you. And that's what Paul was saying, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Not somebody else's, work your own life out. And I'll guarantee you that when you work out your own salvation, you'll find that others are they or them are not perhaps as bad as you thought they were, uh, was because God is doing a work in your life. So, and then <clears throat> the, the second part of verse 13, or, or verse 13, the first part, notice what <clears throat> Paul said, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It is God who works in you both to will and to to work for his good pleasure. I want you to notice something there, and we're gonna talk a little bit more about it in a little bit. Paul said for us to work out our own salvation, and he said it is God who is working in me. So I've gotta work some things out in order for God to work some things in, all right? Listen, <clears throat> when you talk about salvation, the gift that God gives us freely. He gives it to us. Do I earn my salvation? Did I start my salvation? No, God did. God worked something in me that caused me to recognize that I was a sinner. God started the work of salvation in your life. You say, well, pastor, I, 
I was just walking along one day and I realized I needed to be saved. You realized you needed to be saved because God was working something in you. Holy Spirit was moving in your life. So God starts the work of salvation. God not only starts the work of salvation in me, but he continues that work throughout my life. And he brings that work to completion. That work will be completed when my life on earth is over and I'm standing before him in heaven. So that work will be completed. So God starts it and he's doing it now and he's gonna take it to completion. So when Paul said to work out your own salvation, I believe what he's talking about is understanding this. God never withholds salvation from anybody, does he? I've never seen anybody that said, God God don't want to save me. Well, I've heard some of them say that he didn't want to save them. But God never withholds salvation from any man. As a matter of fact, God said it's, it's his will that all men would be saved. None would be lost. But the other side of this is, is me having to work out my salvation, working out uh, something that God has given me. You see, here's the way that it works, and I know that I'm preaching to the choir tonight, but God offers, God offers us the gift of salvation, but it becomes our part in this role to play is that we must receive what God offers to us. Uh, God says, here's a gift, but I must receive the gift. God never holds his salvation back. It's man that refuses to accept the free gift. Every time that we come in to a service, God extends that free gift of salvation. But it's almost every time that we leave out, somebody will walk out without accepting that free gift. Ephesians chapter two says, verse eight, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So God, or Paul says, to work out our salvation and God is working something in us. Uh, God's working in me and in you is limited by my working out my salvation because when I am working out my salvation, it is saying that I am growing, I am maturing, I am dealing with things in my life I'm not satisfied with how God found me. I want to grow in my relationship with him. I'm not satisfied with the fact that God found me years ago in sin, in struggle, in bondage, in all these things. God found me in that, but I'm not satisfied with the fact that he found me there. I want to grow, I want to move forward. 
listen, we need to be careful because a lot of times people don't work out their salvation. They have an experience with God. They, they have uh, an encounter with God. And yes, they get saved, but that's where they stop. Sad to say that many churches don't challenge people to grow in their relationship with God. I want to tell you tonight, and, and again, I'm preaching to the choir, but if, if you are still sitting in the same position that you were saved in 30 years ago, then, friend, uh, you need to grow in your relationship with God. And that's what Paul was saying when he was telling the church at Philippi, work out your salvation. Because God is working in you, but God's working in me is limited by my ability to work out what God has already done in my life. It's important to understand that we must grow. Everything that's living grows. Everything that lives grows. It doesn't stay in the same place. <clears throat> and you say, well, pastor, I don't understand. How can I grow? I've re I read the Bible all the time. I pray all the time. How can I grow? You grow by learning how to bring every area of your life into submission to the authority of God. Attitude, character, mind. All these things God's saying, I want you to bring them in to submission to me. Listen, working when, when I am working out my salvation, it is the evidence of me growing in my relationship with God. I was talking to somebody just last night and, and they made this statement that uh, they had been riding uh, with some people uh, going to a job and that uh, as they started riding with these people going to the job that every uh, evening when they would get off work they wanted to stop and, and uh, get some beer on the way home. And so this individual said, you know, I, it, it happened several times and it would just, it would just grieve my spirit. And, and I was just so uncomfortable with it and, and it, it would just grieve me. And so uh, they said, uh, finally, they had, to, they had to stop. They just had to go to them and say, look, I, I, can't, I, I can't do that. I can't be around that. Uh, I came from that lifestyle. I, I don't want to be, I don't want it around me. So I'm just, I'm going to start riding by myself. And, and so they didn't understand, of course. But I was, I was so proud of this individual for standing up and saying, look, I can't do that. What was that? That's working out your salvation. That's working things out in your life. And, and every day, listen, one of the reasons many times that we're not challenged, that I'm not challenged to grow and I'm not challenged to work things out in my life is that I'm not reading the word of God and I'm not praying and putting myself in position for Holy Spirit to speak to me. So therefore, the way I was two years ago I'm still that way today because the Spirit of God is not being allowed to work in me 
that would challenge me to work some things out in my life. You see, we get in these, these ruts and these routines uh, in our relationship with God that we do the same thing over and over and over. And, and, and once when we do that, uh, it, it's like I have nothing against uh, creeds and, and doctrines and, 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 and all these uh, things that, that people might say when they go to church and all these things they might read. I have nothing against all that, but I want to tell you what happens. Many times we go to church or we come to church and we're programmed with a program of the church. We're programmed to sing a few songs. We're programmed uh, when to stand up, when to sit down. We're programmed when we can raise our hand or when we cannot. And, and we're so programmed that we do that for years and years and years. And, and God has left that years ago. And he's standing on the mountaintop 100 miles away saying, hey, you know, when, when you get through and get tired of all that, come on over here where I am. And, and, and we don't grow and see. That, I believe that's what Paul was telling the church of Philippi. I want you to grow. I want you to continue to mature in your relationship with God. And in order to do that, you gotta work those things out. You gotta work, you gotta work it out when a boss man uh, treats you like dirt. You gotta work it out today when, when, when you're waiting to get gas and, and uh, two uh, women are, are standing uh, beside their cars at the gas pump, finished with pumping their gas and they're talking across the pump. One of them's got a phone in her hand and one of them's just yakking back and forth to her and there's a line of traffic waiting there to get gas and that's why I'm talking about you got to work some things out, all right? You got to work out your salvation because things like that really frustrate me and they really get on my nerves, all right? It's just been one of those days. You know, I'm, I'm really nice and, and I hold the door open. I stand there for 30 seconds waiting on an individual to come uh, to the door and I'm holding the door open and I'm standing there waiting and, and they come out and just walk right by. I had to work it out because I wanted to say thank you. You see, but I have to work things out. I have to work that, that, is, that is a part of my salvation. When things don't go right and things don't go good, when I find myself plummeting off of a, of a mountain of victory down into the valley, that's where I have to work things out. And Paul was talking about here, remember that this church was started uh, largely because of what Paul did when he turned around and rebuked the devil out of a, a young lady uh, and it caused such a stir that the city uh, all came together. They arrested him and put him in jail. 
that's where the revival actually started that, that birthed the church of Philippi. All right, so Paul uh, understands that, listen, when I was in that Philippian jail with blood running down my back, chained hands and feet, I had to work my salvation out. So you see, we have to work it out. And, and as we're working it out, you know what's happening? You're growing. You're maturing. You're getting stronger. You're not getting weaker. You're getting stronger. You know, listen, a child of God doesn't get weaker when they go through valleys. The child of God gets stronger. Every valley you go through, it, it builds the muscles up. Every, every mountain you have to climb, it builds the muscles up. But it's working those things out. It's working those, those thoughts that come into your mind that you say, my goodness, I wish I could get these thoughts out of my mind. I wish these thoughts wouldn't come. And, and you find yourself over and over and over, I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. I'm not gonna think like that. Uh, my mind is, 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 is uh, according to God. I have the mind that Christ has. I'm, I'm working that out. All right? And that's what Paul was talking about. So it's important to understand that, that as I'm working these things out, I'm not doing it so that I can stand and, and have that self-righteous attitude that would say, look at me. Look at how holy I am. Look at me. I'm watching you. You're a hypocrite. Look at me. All right? That wasn't what Paul was saying. Paul was saying, listen, when you're working it out, you're growing. I thought about that uh, passage of Scripture in uh, Ephesians chapter 4. And, and verse 11, and we talk about it a lot, about the fivefold ministry. And Paul talked about that fivefold ministry in, in Ephesians 4 and verse 11. But in verse 12, he talks about the purpose for that fivefold ministry. Why don't we have pastors? Why don't we have apostles and prophets and teachers and evangelists? Uh, why don't we have those in the church and in verse 12 of Ephesians chapter 4, Paul gives the answer to that. He said it's to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. See, that's the ultimate goal is that I would be found uh, measuring up to the stature of Christ. The reason that I need to work toward that and the reason that I need to deal with Cornelius and work on me and deal with my life is, is this found in verse 14 where Paul said that we no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and cared about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by uh, craftiness and, de and deceitful schemes. You see, the absence of people or the neglect of people working out their salvation 
causes people to remain in ruts. We talked about this last Sunday in our New Beginnings class. And listen, work, when, when we working out our salvation, it's like, it's like going through a mud hole. You go through the mud holes of life, but you don't stop in the middle of the mud. You drive through it. You go on through it. That's working out your salvation. Listen, and here's the way you can spot a person who's not working their salvation out. Don't be looking for them, but, but here's, the way that they, here's, here's the way they can be identified. And listen, we can, we can say all kind of things. We can, we can give all kind of antidotes. We can offer them all kind of antibiotics. We can do all these things, but here's the thing. Guys, Jesus Christ will change your life. Amen. He is a life-changing Savior. There is no depth that he cannot redeem from. There's no bondage that he cannot break. There's no chain that he cannot pull apart. He will change your life. And I've come to understand this, that when life change is not prevalent and not operating in a person's life, there is something wrong with the working out. There's something wrong with the exercise of faith because I've never seen a time, never seen a time, and I've seen some people come from some pretty bad places, but I have never seen a time that they didn't come out of that mess when they were focused on working out that relationship with God. He will change their lives, but listen, when people continue to be victims of the same habits for years and years and years. They come to church, they raise their hand, they look good, they wear the right clothes, they wear the right makeup, everything on the outside looks good, but they're still victims of the same mess that they were victims of two years ago, there's a problem, all right? And, and, and we can sugarcoat it, we can pat them on the back, and we can, we can say all kind of things, but the bottom line is that if you are working out your salvation with fear and trembling, there will be a life change that will take place. Everybody's shaking their head. All right. <clears throat> People who fail to work out their salvation with fear and trembling will remain slaves to the same old temptations. You'll never be able to get past that struggle that you've been dealing with. You'll never be able to get past that, that issue that has been haunting you and hounding you for years and years. 
when you fail to work out your salvation, and that's what Paul was talking about, saying, guys, don't stop short of what God is doing in your life. Don't, don't go halfway and quit because there's more. Listen, if you go halfway and quit, then there's another half that you never experience. If you go a quarter of the way and quit, then there's three quarters of God's blessings that you will never inherit. God wants you to have the best of what he's got. Work it out. Work out your own salvation. And, and people uh, repeat the same failures over and over and over again. Listen, I think that that's what Paul was talking about, and, and I'm, I'm talking about being a light tonight, but I knew that I was going to get stuck on this working things out because it's such, uh, it's such a, uh, 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 an important topic to talk about because we see it as pastors, we see it a lot. And we, we get frustrated sometimes with people because uh, every time you turn around, they're calling you and say, hey, pastor, can you come pull me out of a bog? You know, pull them out of a bog, wash the mud off their, their lives and, and pat them on the back and say, go get them. <clears throat> Next week, here we go again. Pastor, I, I'm bogged down again and they never get out of that routine. They never get out of that habit. Listen, I think, guys, and I don't know why I'm saying this, but somebody here, you, you've been dealing with somebody like that, and, and I wanna tell you something. They're robbing you. They're, they're, they're sucking the life out of you and I want to tell you tonight that the best thing that you can do is be dead honest with them and say, look, you ain't working this out. You want me to work it out for you, but you don't want to do it. Work, W-O-R-K. That means it ain't going to be easy but you need to work it out and quit leeching off of me. Listen, I'll pray. <clears throat> I'll pray with you. I'll weep with you and I'll cry with you. But listen, there's gonna come a time in your life where my weeping and my crying is not gonna do you any good. You're gonna have to work it out. Work it out, all right? Paul went on down. <clears throat> Paul went on down in verse 14. <clears throat> and he said, do all things without grumbling or disputing. King James Version says, do all things without murmuring or complaining. And those words are used to describe <clears throat> the children of Israel uh, in their wilderness wandering where they murmured and complained against Moses. In Exodus chapter 16, they murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness and said, would to God that we would have died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat <clears throat> by the flesh pots and when we did eat bread to the full. 
And then they looked at Moses and Aaron and said, you guys brought us out, brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with anger. So what I'm saying is, and what Paul was saying right after he got through talking about you need to work your salvation out with fear and trembling for it is God that is working in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Then he said, do all things without grumbling and complaining. Do all things without murmuring and all that. And what he was talking about was this. When the children of Israel murmured and complained against Moses in the wilderness, they were, they were saying this. Moses, we don't trust you as our leader and God, we don't trust you as our leader. So it's when, when murmuring and complaining takes place, it is, it is a distrust of God, all right? So we're gonna, we're gonna move on past that, okay? In Philippians 2 and verse 15, Paul said this, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. All right, now remember where we started. We started on working your salvation, working your own salvation out with fear and trembling. And now in verse 15, Paul says this, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Real quickly, I want to give you those three words that he, he used in verse 15. The first one is blameless. The second one is innocent. And the third one is blemish. I want to, want to just share with you just a little bit about those three words because those three words are directly tied to working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. When Paul said uh, that you uh, be without blemish, or I'm sorry, that you be blameless, that word blameless is a word that is that uh, points to relationship with other people. In other words, if I am blameless, I can't be blameless by myself or, or let me explain it like this. When I am blameless, that means that, that I'm blameless because you look at me and don't see anything to blame me for, so I become blameless, all right? So when Paul used that word that you may be blameless, he was talking about my relationship to people. In other words, if Paul looked at me and said, Cornelius, you be blameless, then he's talking about you be blameless to these people. And when you look at me, there is nothing about my life, <clears throat> there's nothing about my life that you can find to condemn me for. I'm blameless. And Paul said, that you may be blameless, and then he used the word innocent. Now remember, blameless is pointing to people around you, people in the world. In other words, don't go out and do something in the world 
that people can look at and say, I thought you, I thought you was a Christian. You know, the, it, is, it is so amazing to me this big debate's going on and it's trickling down now into <clears throat> Southern Baptist churches and in uh, Pentecostal churches. But this d- big debate is going on of whether or not it's, it's all right for a Christian to drink. Here's the thing. The amazing thing about that is this, that the, quote, Christians are arguing about whether or not it's right to drink. While those that are out in the world, there's no question for them. They know the Christian's not supposed to drink. Look at it, watch it. Christians standing around fussing back and forth, well, it's all right if I want to get me a drink or, or something like that. The world's standing out there I've had, I've had people that, are, that are, are lost and all that that would say, look, when I do make a commitment to Christ, all this stuff is gone. How did I get off on that? I don't know. I turned my paper upside down and I saw something. All right. <clears throat> Here's the thing. I need to be careful not to do anything outside that would cause somebody to look and blame me. That something that would cause me to to jeopardize somebody else making a decision to follow Christ. Listen, there are a lot of things that I might could do, but I know that there are people that would not understand it, so therefore I cannot do it because I cherish my testimony and I cherish the fact that my lifestyle is what God uses to draw people to him. God's in heaven, he's invisible, but he has empowered me to carry a light that says, look at this, this is Jesus, look at this, This is him. This is Savior, Redeemer, Lord, Master. But if I'm not careful, I'll do something that will quench that light. I'm getting there. And he used the word innocent. And that word innocent means unmixed means you're not mixed up with all kind of stuff. You're not, you're not, you're not a mixture of, of the culture and, and Christianity. It means that you're pure. If you read it in commentaries, it talks about uh, that word is a word that, that means, uh, that talks about or relates to wine not being watered down. It relates to milk not being watered down. It's pure. It is unmixed. What was Paul talking about when he was talking about innocence? He was talking about me, 
That is me. That is my relationship with God. Being blameless has to do with my relationship with other people and how they look at me. The word innocent is talking about me. Not being mixed with everything around. Making myself pure and undefiled. And then he goes down to the third one and it's the word blemish. And he talks about uh, being children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. And, and, and when you talk about blemish, being without blemish, that is how God is viewing me. When God looks at me, I want him to look at me and not see blemishes on my life. When God looks at me, I want him to see a heart that is pure. I want him to see a clean heart, clean hands and a pure heart. So to sum all that up, what Paul, I think, was saying was, God, let my life be found to be blameless in the eyes of the world and innocent and sincere within myself and fit to stand in the presence of God. So, here's the why of all the above that we talked about. The importance of working your salvation out not being and acting like everyone else. Like the crooked and perverse, twisted generations. Here's the why of it. Paul said, so that we may shine as lights. So that we may shine as lights. Light Think about this, very simple but very profound. Light was created for darkness. Think about it. Light was made for darkness. Light was made to dispel darkness. Darkness never has nor never will affect the power of light. Listen, in, in Genesis chapter one, I'm fixing to close, I promise. I'm landing this plane. In Genesis chapter one, <clears throat> verse 14, on the fourth day of creation, God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament, firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth, and it was so. And God made two great lights, <clears throat> the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. And he made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness, God saw that it was good. God made two great lights. Now this might not be theologically sound, but it's the way that I look at it. I believe those two great lights are a picture of what God wants us to be today. I believe the great light is him. He is the light of the world but he made a lesser light, which was the moon. 
the moon has no ability to light within itself, but it reflects the light from the sun. God's called us to reflect the light from the sun. He's called you and I to be reflections of the light and the glory that comes from him. Paul said, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, we are to shine as lights. So when we work out our salvation with fear and trembling, and we give ourselves to him and realize that he is working something in me, then that's where he is producing what God is, listen, I'm working some things out, but what God is working in me is more light. More light. More illumination is coming into me. And I'm glowing more and more. I'm like that little glow worm with a, with a glow on his tail. Everywhere I go, I'm just a glowing. You see, because God's working something in me. And I believe that's what he was talking about with the church at Philippi. Work it out, guys, because God's called you to be a light in the middle of your darkness. So I want to encourage you, in this season that we're coming in, all the artificial lights that are around, be a true light. Let your light shine, all right?